Good morning, everybody. It is great to be with you. Um, if I have not met you before, my name is Sawyer Trapp. So welcome to those that are here in person. If you're joining with us online, welcome as well. Thanks for um, jumping on the stream with us. Uh, I'm our associate pastor here, which means I'm in charge of a lot of different things, primarily our adult ministries and our student ministries. Um, coming off um, our late nighter on Friday for our student ministries, had tons of fun, played some laser tag, hung out, ran around the church. So if you see any messes, they're probably from us. I'm sorry. Um, but we've got our adult ministries coming up. We're going to be rolling out our community groups. Yeah, our men's breakfast is coming up. Uh, women's ministry, their Bible study will be starting off in October. So a lot of great ways for you to get plugged in if you're a teenager or if you're an adult and you're looking for community. Um, as you might have seen in that video, if you joined us last week, we're doing a series called Bless, which is all about practical ways to love your neighbor and to change the world. Because we know that it's really, really challenging to actually share our faith. If we're a follower of Jesus, that's what we're called to, and yet so many of us, me included, struggle with it. We struggle to have those conversations, to make those steps. We're worried what maybe people will think about us, or what that will happen to the relationship, or maybe people will just think we're crazy. Whatever it is, so many things we feel stand in our way. So we want to make it as easy as possible to just give you five simple steps that you can take. And last week we started with beginning with prayer that you have people in your lives around you, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, um, maybe the, your coworkers, um, the person that you work out with, whoever, but that they need to be known, they need to be prayed for. So we encourage you to start praying for them by name, that God would start working in their lives and use you to point them to Jesus. And we're continuing. Um, we gave away a book last week, but if you're interested in getting a copy of Bless, this is what this is all based on. This is an awesome book that kind of details even more what we're talking about in this series. So if you enter the giveaway, you're still entered. Um, but if you're interested in getting uh, this book and being entered into a drawing, we'll be giving four more away as we continue this series. If you go to risenever.com book, you can get entered and we'll be giving one away each week. But before we get started with our message this morning, I want you all to stand up. I know, it's very different, we're standing up. Because what, what I want you to do is, is, in addition to all the things I do, I got the, the wonderful honor of helping out with VBS. And so this summer we had our vacation Bible school and kids were in this room and they were excited. And one of the goals that I have is to try to learn all of their names. And so what I would do at opening and closing every day is I would have them shout it out as loud as possible with the idea that that would help me learn their names. Now it wouldn't, it wouldn't right? I'd have to actually go to them. But we're gonna do that right now. So I want you to shout your name on the count of three, as loud as you can. If you're watching online, type it as loud as you can in the comments. All caps, lots of exclamation points. All right, everybody ready? One, two, three. All right, that's very good. Good job. You can take a seat. Take a seat. So now I know all of your names. No, that's not true. It's not true. But as I, as I thought about that this week, as I was thinking back to VBS, I think it's a really good metaphor for our world, right? That a lot of people are speaking, that maybe people are hearing, but that nobody's being listened to. That we're all shouting out our names, wanting to be seen, wanting to be known, and yet it's a lot like that. We're shouting into the ether, wondering if anybody cares. And sadly, it's even worse online, that we're trying to put our best foot forward, our best foot, our best selves, and, and curate our lives so that people will like us, that will follow us, that we can build up a platform maybe even. And yet, even though a lot of people are talking, even though hearing is taking place, I think one of the tragedies in our world right now is there's not a lot of listening taking place. And so that's what our second letter is today, listen. 
Because in our world coming out of the pandemic where we've been separated, where we've been disjointed, in a world of tribalism and political polarization and loneliness and separation, I think one of the antidotes to all that is to truly listen to people. That if we really were to listen, if we were to choose to listen to the people in our lives, if we could be listened to, then I think it could truly show love to our neighbor and change the world. And luckily, we don't have to do that alone. That actually Jesus is a great example of being a great listener. That despite having so many things he could do during his time on earth, Jesus spent a lot of time listening. He spent a lot of time listening one-on-one with people, learning their story, asking them questions, and really seeking to understand them. And so if Jesus is in our example, then I think we can do it too. But I want to make this as easy as possible for us, so I made up an acronym for you, and it's EAR, EAR. Because I think really if we lend people our ear, we're going to show them our hearts. That when we actually listen to people, when we lend them our ear, we're going to reveal our hearts. We're going to show other people that we care about them, that we love them. And Jesus did that a lot. In fact, he did it in our passage today. Uh, We'll be jumping in the book of Matthew. If you want to follow along, Matthew chapter 20, you can follow along your Bible. We're also on the YouVersion Bible app. Um, You click the hamburger menu there in the top, the three lines, and you click events. We're on there. You can follow along when all the notes are available. Because I truly believe, I think in the words of David Osberger, that this is true. That being heard is as close to being loved that for the average person, they are indistinguishable. That if we truly listen to people, we're going to love people just the same. And that's what Jesus did. So this is Matthew 20, starting in verse 29. It starts off like this. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed them. And two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard Jesus shouting, excuse me, Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And so Jesus is going about his average day, and he's traveling, and he's slowly making his way to Jerusalem. He's coming down from Galilee. He had just spent time in the Jericho area, and now he's leaving to make his way to Jerusalem. So like many of us, Jesus has a plan of something to do today. He has a goal. He's trying to achieve it. He's busy. He has a lot on his mind. And he's surrounded by distractions, right? The city gates were a place where a lot of people were traveling, coming, and going, where trading and commerce was taking place. It says that Jesus was not only by himself, but he had his disciples with him, and a whole crowd of people was around them. This would have been a loud distraction-filled moment for Jesus. And maybe in a small voice in the back, these two men begin shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And that's when the crowd begins to respond. Verse 31, it says, The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. In the midst of this distraction and busyness and loudness, the crowd begins to say, who are you that you get to talk to Jesus? Jesus has a lot on his plate. He's got a lot going on. He's busy. He has this full crowd of people around him. Maybe they thought they were more important than they deserved more of Jesus' time. But these two blind men, no, be quiet. Jesus has a lot going on. I think the first problem in listening is that we often feel that we have too much on our plate. We don't have enough time, that we're too busy 
when somebody asks us how we're doing, we maybe respond with good. Yeah, I'm pretty busy right now. Got a lot going on. Maybe as you look for you and your family going back to school, you're like, yeah, it's great that the kids are back in school, but that means a lot of obligations, a lot more time spent in the car, a lot more responsibilities, a lot more busyness. Maybe you're in a time of transition and you're wondering about your career or about um, what's next in your life. There's so many things that fill our time and energy. We get busy. And I think for a lot of us, the crowd it makes sense, right? Jesus doesn't have time. He, he's going on about his way. He has a lot more stuff to do than listen to these two blind men. But I think there's an important distinction taking place. Because when the crowd hears, they don't listen. They obviously hear the men shouting, and they say, hey, be quiet, stop. And yet Jesus, in verse 32, stops, and he calls to them. In that moment, in the busyness, in the busyness, in the distractions, Jesus stops, and he calls to the men. Because Jesus has obviously heard them too. Despite the roar of the crowd, despite the busyness of the day, despite the, everything going on around him, despite the plans that he had, despite maybe the disciples asking, hey, where are we going, Jesus? What's happening next? He stops. And despite the crowd hearing but not choosing to listen, Jesus chooses to listen. And it brings us to the E of ear, that everyone deserves to be listened to. That everyone deserves to be listened to. Jesus had so many people that he could have been focusing on that day. He could have been pouring into his disciples. He could have been focusing on the crowd. He could have just been putting his head down and saying, hey, I need to make my way to Jerusalem. And yet he stops what he's doing, pushes the distractions aside, and says to these men, you matter. I want to hear what you have to say. So maybe you're listening to my voice this morning. Maybe you woke up this morning and you said, man, I got a lot going on in my life right now. That if somebody were to ask me how I'm doing, how I'm really doing, man, I'd have a lot to share. But man, they're too busy. They got too much going on. They don't have time for me. I don't want to put that on them. But the thing is, if we feel that way, why would it be any different for the people in our lives? For our neighbors, for our friends, for our coworkers? What if we, just as Jesus did, choose to listen to them? Imagine what could happen. Not just even about spiritual stuff. Maybe, like me, it might work a bad situation into a good one about what I would say is a very ugly plant. If you want to pull up a picture of my backyard when we first moved in, you might be saying, yes, that that's, is, is a pretty ugly plant. I thought so too. So when we moved into the house, um, it was winter time, it was February, and we were like just wondering, okay, maybe it's just you know dormant during the winter and, and it'll bloom during the springtime. And it'll be really pretty and it'll be great and it's not. It bloomed for like one week to flowers that were not good looking at all. <laughs> and sadly, this plant, though despite mostly being over our fence, is actually planted on our neighbor's backyard. And so the first interaction that I had with our next door neighbors, we're slowly meeting our neighbors, trying to figure out who our neighbors are, was about this plant. Because I was determined that if we were gonna actually make our backyard look semi-decent, that we had to get rid of this plant. 
And so one day I'm, I'm out there and I see our next door neighbor and I, I, I meet her and I go up to her and I start that conversation with the idea, okay, we are going to have this conversation and I'm going to be able by the end of the day to take that plant out. And that's how I entered into that conversation. And as you might imagine, that doesn't create a good environment for listening. And so as we start making small talk, asking each other what we, what, how long we've been in the house, all that sort of stuff, I say, so what's the deal on that plant? And she begins to open up because this plant had been planted there a long time. It had been a kind of a joint project between them and the previous people who lived in our house. They were both really into gardening and that this plant was something that she cared about. And I'm like, oh, great. And so I had a decision to make in that moment. Am I going to care for her? Am I going to listen? Or am I going to try and get what I want? And not to elevate myself at all, but I said, hey, maybe this plant is like super important to her. And I chose to listen. And I got to know her better. We developed a relationship. And happy to say that we've come to a compromise on this plant. That we've trimmed it back and it's only on their side and it does kind of pop through our fence sometimes and I have to trim it back, but it's okay. Because I have a relationship with my neighbor now. And I think we all have those moments where a situation that could have turned really bad was actually made really good because we chose to listen. That maybe we entered into a conversation feeling frustrated, feeling annoyed, wondering why our next door neighbor has an ugly plant or they won't mow their lawn or they're always blaring loud music or whatever it is. But if we actually choose to listen, if we seek to understand them before we seek to be understood ourselves, then I think we can actually change things. I think we can actually build relationship. That if we see the people in our lives as people that deserve to be listened to, that's going to make a huge impact on their lives. And I say this as someone who is not a good listener. I have to work on it. I have to be engaged. I get distracted so easily. And so it is something that you can develop. It is something that you can work on. And I promise to you that if we did this as a church, if Arise Church Denver was known as people who are good listeners, then we could do so much good in this community. God can transform lives through us and in us if we chose to listen. Just like Jesus did that day. And so Jesus stops and he chooses to listen. He calls out to them. Verse 32, yeah, he calls out to them and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answer, we want our sight. It's really easy for us when we read the Bible to kind of just skip over dialogue, right? We know what's happening. Jesus is going to heal these people. They're going to go about their way day. It's all going to be great. And you're saying, okay, cool. Jesus can heal people. I can just listen. Like, does that make an impact? But look at what Jesus does. Instead of just going up to them and being like, hey, you guys want to see, right? He asks them what they want. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus says. God in the flesh has come up to this man, acknowledge, acknowledge their present, acknowledge their existence, and then instead of assuming they, he knows what they want, which he probably did, he seeks to understand them, to know where they're at. He asks the question to care for them and to set an example for us. That's the A of ear, that everyone deserves to be listened to and to ask questions. 
You see, when we ask questions, we understand people. We get to know who they are. We get above, excuse me, below the surface level and get to truly understand who people are at their core, why they make the decisions they make, why they care about plants, why they make the decisions that they choose to do, why they don't do what they don't do, and why they do what they do, where they're coming from, their backgrounds, their stories. Those men could have wanted a lot of things that day. Maybe for the first time, they've just been acknowledged that somebody has gone past just walking by them or maybe tossing them a coin and say, hey, I see you, I care about you, I love you. Jesus doesn't assume what they want. He asks and tries to dive deeper, tries to understand better, tries to make sure that they know that they're cared and valued and loved. Because that's what questions do. It's really easy to stay surface level with people. If we were actually were to listen, to engage, to dig deep, I think we would be surprised of the depth that we would get to so quickly. There's a study by Barner that's out pretty recently that says that only 30% of people in the United States have somebody that they can actually talk to about things that are going on in their lives. 30%. That 70% of people do not have one person that they can truly talk to about what's going on in their lives. That means there's a lot of people in this room, a lot of people watching the stream, a lot of, of your neighbors and your friends and people in your community, your coworkers, a lot of people on the side of the road like these blind men who don't have one person that they can truly talk to. And that means if you were to actually ask them, actually get to know them, care about them, ask good questions, maybe become that person, that they would open up like you would not believe. That if we all had things on our hearts today, it's no different for the people in our lives. And so Jesus asks them what they want. I think we have a misconception of what a good conversation is. That if two people are talking to each other, that's what it makes a conversation. I think this Peanuts cartoon sums it up pretty well. Charlie Brown says, in a good conversation, one person talks while the other listens. Then that person talks while the first person listens. And Lucy says... I like talking and I hate the listening. I realize that. What? You see, what happens is, is we just talk. We just talk, we talk, we talk, and even when the other person is talking, we're maybe thinking about what dishes we have to do, what laundry we have to do. We're like, uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe we're checking our phone or looking at our Apple Watch or whatever it is, right? Just because two people are talking doesn't mean that listening is taking place. And what questions do, what engaging in that conversation, what eye contact, what active listening does, where you're mirroring that person, where you're making sure that you understand, where you're asking them questions, when you're diving deeper, is that you move beyond the surface level. You move beyond just talking. You move to listening. And if we truly listen to people, if we don't assume we know what's best for them, if we listen without judgment, if we seek to understand, then we can truly get that level of depth. And people will walk out of that conversation and be like, man, that person really cares about me. That person wanted to know what's going on in my life. I feel like I know them. I feel like they care about me. I wonder why that is. And so Jesus has done that for those two men, these men that were forgotten about, that were ostracized, that were pushed aside, unable to work, that were walked by and maybe never even looked at. And Jesus turns to them and asks them the question, but even more than that, even beyond acknowledging them and listening to them and, and seeking to understand them, he does 
the thing that we struggle with the most. Verse 34. It says that Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. They became his followers. This one interaction, this one conversation with Jesus took them from men that were forgotten into followers of Jesus. But, but even more than that, look at the way Jesus responds. If you want to pull the verse back up, it says that Jesus felt sorry for them. He felt compassion for them. That word compassion or fear sorry for them comes from the Greek word, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, splachnezomai. Splachnezomai. I had the first service says it, we're going to say it together. Ready? Splachnezomai. There you go. You're Greek scholars. You did it. Splachnezomai. And I bring this up because splachnezomai, that word splach, talks about your deepest inward parts, like your internal organs. Like when we say something, we feel something in the pit of our stomach, that's what we're talking about. That Jesus didn't just see them and be like, man, that really sucks that you guys are blind, or oh, bummer, I maybe should do something about that. No, he walked by, he saw them, he stopped, he talked with them, and he hurt with their pain. He saw the ways that they were separated from society, that they were forgotten, that they were unable to work, that they maybe had issues feeling like they couldn't contribute. Jesus saw their situation and felt empathy towards them. He felt it not at a superficial level, but in the pit of his stomach, in his most inward parts, a deep, compassionate empathy for these men and their situation. And we're called to do the same. It's really easy for us to mess up the order of conversation with people. That maybe we start with small talk and then we hear just enough to respond or give them advice or be like, hey, that's really tough. Best of luck. The empathy that Jesus calls us to is something deeper than that. Something that understands people, that sees the situation that they're in, that places ourselves in that situation and imagines what it would be like at the deepest level that we could truly, to the best of our ability, imagine what their life situation has put them, the struggles that they face, the pain that's on their heart, that we feel that in our deepest parts of ourselves. And then we respond. And so the R is this, that we're called to respond with empathy. There's a lot of definitions out there for empathy in the world. I always have loved the writings and work of Brene Brown, who's kind of a guru on empathy and vulnerability. And she has this to say. She says, empathy is simply listening. It's holding space. It's withholding judgment. It's emotionally connecting and communicating the incredible healing message. You're not alone. What if the people in our lives, our neighbors, person that we never have contact with, the person who goes into their garage, shuts the door, and we see them pulling out in the morning, we don't know anything about them, the people that are struggling, people that are wrestling, the people that have that pain just below the surface, what if they could know that they're not alone? What if you could know that you're truly not alone? As Brene says, I think it could be deeply, deeply healing. To have someone, just one person in their life that 70% 70 of people don't have that cares about them, that loves them, that listens to them, that says, hey, 
I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm with you. And beyond giving them their sight that day, Jesus did that for those men. He could have easily gone about his day, continued on out of Jericho with the disciples. He had tons of people in those crowd that maybe needed his attention. He could have poured into his disciples. He could have done another miracle. He could have went to the town square and preached the most amazing message ever. But what does he do? He chooses to listen to the forgotten. To see those people that are pushed aside. And beyond that, he feels the pain that they feel. And it's not just true for those men. It's true for every single one of us. That God sees you. God values you. God wants to know you. God cares about you and he feels whatever it is you're going through. He has that for you. He calls us to have that for others. Throughout this series, we've been having stories of people in our church that are really doing this well. Not to lift them up, but to show you that it's possible. That there's small steps that each one of us can take to actually listen to other people and the difference that would make. So I want you to watch this story from Grace Chan. Hi, my name is Grace Chan, and I have attended Arise for about five years now. A previous colleague of mine wasn't feeling heard at her work by her boss. She would come to me because I knew how to listen to her and empathize. And I think because I also had a tough boss, so I knew what it felt like not to be heard. She also, I think, came to me because she knew I wouldn't go and gossip, and what she said stayed with me. In the Bible, it says, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with such a simple babbler. That's Proverbs 20, 19. Scripture also says, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, 2 Timothy 2, 16. And that's talking about false teachers, but it also teaches us that in any way when we speak, that we need to glorify God. And I would try to exemplify that with my colleague. So a lot of times I would listen and I would be careful with how I'd respond to her. I too had a tough boss, as I said, and I learned to bite my tongue. My colleague noticed and she asked why. And I shared that in the Bible, it says in 1 Timothy 6, 1, let all who are under a yoke as bond servants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Again, I was trying to encourage her that we're trying to show Christ. And as a believer, I was trying to show that to my boss. My boss didn't know Jesus. And I could have easily talked back to her. And sometimes I did. I stood up to her. Not talking back, but stood up to her. But my main objective was to show her Jesus. And so I bit my tongue and I would just look at my boss and I would pray for her. And I would listen to her. And that was noticed. That was noticed by other colleagues and that was noticed by this colleague. And I would encourage my colleague to do the same. She believed in God and so I told her to listen to her boss and to pray. I left the company but we kept in touch and she then decided to stay home when she had her second child and then she would vent to me about being a mom um, at home and I started uh, sharing more scripture with her. I invited her to mops and to church and now here we are today, a few years later, and I mentor her, and I meet with her once a month, and I answer her questions about God and the Bible, and uh, we have sweet fellowship, and it all started with listening and empathizing with her. 
Yeah, you can clap for that. Absolutely. None of the steps that Grace took were particularly revolutionary, right? It's not to diminish, diminish them, but she sought to understand her boss. She was there available to her coworkers when they were going through a difficult situation. She cared for them. She listened to them. And yet, despite those actions not being that big, they truly are revolutionary because so many people do not have anyone to listen to them. That if we were as followers of Jesus, or even if you're not in this room, to take the bold step to truly listen to people, to ask them good questions, to think that they deserve to be listened to, to respond with empathy, then I truly believe it would open doors and open opportunities and build relationships and foster community more than just about any other thing. I don't know the people in your life. I wish I did. Maybe we bring them to church and I can meet them. But you do. I have people in my life. And if we care about them enough, if we can see the image of God in them, then we're called to listen to them. Responding empathetically may just be continuing to have those conversations, being available for them, offering to water their plants or walk their dog or maybe do something even more bold and invite them to church to say, hey, this is important to me. This has helped me. Talk about the ways that your faith has made an impact on your life. And I, I don't know, maybe it would be helpful if you came to church with me, if you, if you heard about the hope that we have in Jesus, about the purpose that we have, the identity, whatever it is. But I do know responding with empathy means being there for people even when it's hard. Because God has done the same for us. It, spe it speaks of this in Hebrews 4, 5, where it says about Jesus that we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Beyond empathizing with those men that, those day, that day, feeling in his deepest parts their pain, he does the same for us. No matter what you are wrestling with, whether it's anxiety, whether it's doubt, whether it's sin, whether it's the loss of a family member, whether it's purposelessness, whatever it is, Jesus knows at the deepest level what you are going through. And he's saying, you are not alone. I am with you. I love you, I care about you. In fact, I care about you so much that I came down to earth to live the life that you couldn't live, to show you how to love, and to give up my life as a sacrifice on the cross for you. And be raised three days later, conquering sin and death and the devil, showing you that no matter what is going on in your life, I'm in this. I'm going to bring glory from this. And he calls us into renewed relationship with God and sends us out on mission to bless the people around us, to truly listen to them, to break down the walls that we so easily put up, to ask good questions, to see people as valuable and worthy, and to do the work of listening, of caring for people because God has cared for us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your heart for us. 
that you lend your ear to us. Jesus, that you spent so much of your time on earth listening to people, caring for people, showing us how to love. Thank you for the ways that you've moved in our own lives, the ways that you've empathized with us, the things that we've gone through. God, I pray over the people that are on our hearts and our minds right now, the forgotten, the oppressed, the lonely, the struggling, our next door neighbors, the person across the street, our coworkers, our classmates, our teachers, our friends. And like the blind man that day, the people on the side of the road. God, I pray over us that you would use us to transform people's lives, that we would be people who care and love and listen as you have done the same for us. And God, if there's anybody in this room who's maybe for the first time realizing that God is not far away and absent, but that God is with them, that God understands what they're going through, and that you have made a way for us to come into relationship with you to be saved. God, that they would be bold enough to take the step to pray this prayer, not that it's anything magical or perfect, that they would just say, God, I'm, I'm ready to be loved by you. I'm ready to come home, I'm ready to be forgiven, and I'm ready to be sent out to love others. So we're going to say a prayer here in a minute. If you're praying that for the first time, that's awesome. But if you're a follower of Jesus in this room or listen to my voice, that you would pray it with us and to give courage to those who are praying it for the first time. So if you repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and listen to others. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. We want to surround you and encourage you and support you as you take your first steps of faith today. So we have to know. So on the count of three, if you want to raise your hand and we'll celebrate with you and pray with you. So one, two, three. Amen. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're working in this place this morning, that you're drawing people to yourself and that you invite us to join with you on mission. God, I pray over our neighbors, people on the side of the road, the forgotten, our co-workers, that this church, this community, the people listening to my voice would be people who see others and listen to them, value them, and respond with the empathy, like the empathy that you have for us. God, allow us to listen to you all the more, be in tune with your spirit, and show your love to those around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You want to stand up, and we're going to sing a song about listening to God. The prayer team will be available in the back if something has come on your heart that you want prayer for, or maybe you want to pray for your neighbors today. For the rest of us, let's worship.